welcome to episode 23 of Speak Better. I'm Rebecca Lindquist, also known as Lindquist the Linguist, and this podcast is all about improving your speech, your voice, your diction. We're going to be talking about articulation today, but we also talk about pronunciation. We focus a lot on non-native speakers, but also native speakers have a lot of things that we can improve as well when it comes to communicating with others, public speaking, or just talking. And today's topic is articulation exercises. Many of these are for non-native speakers, but a lot of people like to do them to increase clarity and just to feel more comfortable and confident when they speak, to misspeak less often. I like to do them. I do them with my clients. I've developed them over years. There's all kinds of different things you can do. We're going to talk today about the most significant ones. And the first thing to know is that you need to have either a mirror, and I often just use a mirror. That's great, any kind of a mirror or a webcam so that you can be watching yourself in the video and getting a sense of what you're doing. Most of us are very unaware of the movements we're making. Native or non, we often make movements with our mouths and just have no idea. And the first thing you want to think about, the first movement is with your articulators, is your lip. And when we talk about articulators, we're talking about anything you need to create speech. Typically, we're talking about the lips, upper and lower, what they're doing, the teeth, the jaw, the frenulum, that little string that connects your tongue to the bottom part of your mouth. We're talking about your jaw. We're talking primarily about the tongue lifting and the tongue being able to do a lot of stuff, which can be hard for non-native speakers. Americans tend to use their tongues a lot, and we'll talk about how and in what ways and how we have to be able to lift our tongue. The other big important thing with tongue that we've talked about with tongue movement is to know if it's the tip of the tongue, the blade of the tongue, the dorsum, the body of the tongue, which we don't talk about a lot because it's not about it touching anywhere, but it is about the shape that it can make at times. And we talk about the back of the tongue, which we call the root of the tongue. And that's why sticking your tongue out, lifting your eyes, like the yoga pose, the lion, which we talked about in another another podcast can be really useful as well. These are all things that you can do. So the lip exercise, the reason that one's first is you want to make sure you're activating your lip. And activating means using it. It also means showing your front teeth. You may have noticed if you're a non-native speaker that Americans are obsessed with our teeth. And people ask me all the time, people who come from other countries, why are Americans so into dental care? Well, I don't know. This is not a definitive answer. However, we do show our teeth when we speak. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, do we speak that way because we care about our teeth? Or do we care about our teeth because we speak that way? Probably the latter, but that's a topic for a different podcast. What we're going to talk about is just how to use articulators so that you can speak American English clearly. That's sort of the whole point of the podcast. And you want to lift the lip and see if you can do it with very little effort. And what I mean by that is you shouldn't feel tension when you do it, although it might be difficult to do at first. And you want to get your neck to be long. So you elongate the neck, eyes are eye level, roll out your shoulders, and just see if you can lift your lip. The other thing that's challenging about these lip exercises is there are three muscles in the lip. It's the orbicularis oris muscle. What that means is it's not just about one muscle lifting, it's about three muscles lifting might mean that you have to do this exercise a lot before anything changes. Also, many of my clients find that their lower lip moves more than their upper lip. So you want the upper lip to be the leader. 
It doesn't mean your lower lip will never lead or will never move, but it just means that the upper lip is going to move first and then the lower lip will make some type of a movement potentially. Like if you make an O sound, the low lip could be moving simultaneously, but you want to think about moving the upper lip first. Even if they're moving simultaneously, if your upper lip isn't moving much, you don't want the sound quality to change because you're overusing your lower lip. The other thing about this orbicularis oris issue is that the lip has to flare out. And one way to do that is to round your lips and squeeze. And when you squeeze the buccinators, that's the muscles inside your cheek, and those muscles can squeeze together when you round, and then when you smile, the muscles release. Sometimes people take their tongue, this can be useful, and touch the cheek on the inside and just press into the cheek, let the cheek go out and back in, and you can feel those buccinator muscles in the cheeks working. So we need those to work. You round your lips and turn them out like you're pretending to be a fish. So think of entertaining some small children, for example, and you're going to round your lip, flare the lip out, top and bottom, very slowly, out and in, out and in. And when I say in, I just mean releasing it. You don't have to curl it in. In fact, Americans do not curl their lip in, intentionally at least. To give you an example of what I'm talking about, if you say the sound buh, like baby, when you say baby, your lip should go out. If you curl your lip in, it sounds like baby, baby. You may have heard people say this before. They tend to shorten the vowel a bit, non-native speakers, and that B sound curls in. But you do not need to curl your lip in. You can flare it out and touch the inside of the lip. There's a little vibration, but not much breath. Baby. Try some other words that start with B. Beauty. Bobtail. Basketball. Baseball. Bottom. Any word that starts with a B, or any B, anywhere in the word, like robber, has a B in the middle, or rubber. The idea is that the inside of your lips touch the fleshy part, but the lip itself flares out. Again, you want to do these exercises quite a bit if this is challenging for you. The fish, where you squeeze the cheeks, and I squeeze them all the way together with a lot of tension, and then release them and just open and close the mouth. The other thing you might want to do is go back to that lip flutter that we talked about earlier, especially if you do curl your lips in and you're aware that you're doing it. Which languages do it? Well, in my experience, Filipino speakers, whether it's Tagalog or another Filipino dialect, tend to curl the lip in. Many Spanish speakers, not every Spanish speaker, depends on the dialect, what country you're from, and which particular dialect you speak. But Spanish speakers tend to do this. And also many dialects of India, and many languages of India, I should say, tend to curl the lips in. So in other words, this word baby with a curled lip should be baby with a lip flared out. So fluttering, going like a raspberry sound, and you should be doing that as slow as you can. Mine's a little fast, so if you can go slower, that would be great. The reason we do this is to get the tension out of the lip. And you may find if you're struggling to flare your lip out that after you go, you can do it more easily. The other thing you might try is going up and down with the, it's like a B sound. Try to stay as connected as you can. That is not going, but going. You want the tone to flow upward in pitch and then flow down in pitch. And then you can play around with it singing anything you like. Some of us like to sing and some of us don't. 
I'm talking about singing in the shower, singing in the bathroom in front of the mirror, not singing in front of other people, singing in the car on the way to work. The idea is that you have fun with your voice, you let the tension out of it so that you can relax. So these articulation exercises don't have to be perfect every time. It's not about that. It's about allowing the articulators to be free so that when you speak, there's not excess tension there. So that's what curling the lips out is all about, and that's the first in the order. So make sure your lip is flaring out and you can see your teeth when you speak. The next thing we want to think about is probably the tongue, only because it's one of the most challenging things for non-native speakers to lift the tongue and keep the blade, not the tip, not the dorsum, and not the root in the back, but the blade of the tongue right behind the tip, completely connected behind the teeth. When do we use this sound? Well, when we make an n, an n sound after a vowel like non or none, like none of them, or the nun, the priest and the nun, or non, like non-compliant, any of those words that have an N at the end, any word with an N, like ban or van or bun, anything that ends in an N, it doesn't matter. Any syllable that ends in an N, if it's a longer word, like abandon, those N's are longer than you realize sometimes. You need to really lift your tongue to make the N long enough. The other sound, and I start with an N because it's easier for most people, is the L. Now we have a light L, like alone, and you might say, well, why is light L in the word alone? Because the L is after the A. Well, the A, just like the word arrive, when we talked about the R, the A doesn't have any stress on it. The lone is the long syllable. It's not alone, it's alone. Therefore, because that L is the leader, it's a light L. You just lift the tip, alone. Easy to say, like the word lonely. Easy to say. However, when you put that L at the end of the word, like sail, jail, well, well, well. It doesn't matter what vowel you're using, the L has to be longer like the N. And a lot of languages have this issue. Not Chinese speakers for sure, but Vietnamese speakers too. And many people from other countries where they tend to use a light L or a different L in the word. I have many Indian speakers who struggle with this, uh, European languages, French speakers say it differently. The idea is to make that L strong and long at the end of the word by lifting the tongue. And if your tongue won't lift when you do that, you want to open your mouth and see what's happening. Typically, if the tongue goes up and underneath you have some loose skin hanging down, that's a sign that you're not really connecting the tongue to the back of the teeth. That's okay if you have that. Not much you can do right in the moment. But if you lift and lower the tongue and connect it completely, eventually that skin will get more taut. And that's what you want to have happen. And you can practice with any word that ends in an L. And there's lots of exercises available if you Google that. So you lift the tongue and say L and hold the tongue there. And then whenever you're using a word that ends in an L, especially at, right after a vowel, we call it a post-vocalic or a dark L, like well or the word welcome, make sure you exaggerate that sound and that will teach the tongue to lift. You may not hear the difference, that's common, but you can see it in a mirror or in your webcam. And just doing that exercise can be really helpful. If you're still struggling, like your tongue won't lift, it doesn't matter how long your tongue is, although some people do have a very short frenulum. But I can tell you I've had a client whose wife was a dentist, and he had the frenulum cut, and it did grow back. So I don't know if that always happens, but surgery is usually the last thing to do. I wouldn't lead with that. What you might try instead is elongating your tongue. Can you stick it out of your mouth and make it really flat? 
A lot of people have a dropped tongue in the middle. That dorsum part will drop when they stick their tongue out and their tongue can fall because they're not used to lifting it in their first language. So you take your tongue out, try to lift it off the lip, and if it quivers and shakes, that means you're doing it right. So you look in the mirror, you lift the tongue, completely stick it out as far as you can, and then can you turn your tongue into a spear? So when you turn it into a spear, all the muscles pull together and the tongue gets long and skinny, and then you flatten your tongue. And it's called the versalis muscle. You make your tongue completely flat like a pancake and widen it, and then make it narrow again, long like a spear. And if your tongue drops in the middle when you do the versalis, when you take your tongue out and flatten it, and I call that the taco because it looks like a taco in your tongue. It doesn't, it drops. And go back to the spear and really activate the middle of your tongue. I like to think of that as the spine. Just like you have a spine in your back, you can have a spine in the middle of your tongue. So you stick it out and pull it back. And as you pull it back, you might try making the R sound, er, and you might find you can make it for the first time when the tongue is that stimulated and that active. So we have an active lip and an active tongue, and it's a good thing to know that because we don't want our neck to be too active. We don't want to overuse our shoulders and the rest of our body. So we want the tongue active, but maybe not the rest of you. So that's an articulation exercise to think about. And then the third one that I like everyone to think about is the jaw. So you want to drop your jaw, and you might notice tension in it. You may not notice it. You could talk to your dentist and see if you have signs of TMJ. A lot of people clench or grind their teeth when they sleep at night, and they can actually make a mouth guard for you. And I say make one because you could buy something at the store, but they often don't fit properly, and you want to make sure that you're not causing more trouble than it's worth. So you want to be able to wear that, and depending on what other kinds of things you have going on, if you have braces or people get different devices to straighten their teeth, you can create tension in your jaw. So be really careful with doing a lot of dental stuff when you're working on speech, because if your jaw is sore, tight, gripping, then you're going to get a very different quality. We call that tense articulation. Look, if I take my lips and I try to use them a little more. I'm not trying to do a British accent here. I'm just showing you the lip action. But you may hear a different accent because lip movement and lip tension can create sounds you would hear in a different dialect or a different language. The idea is to, yes, use the lip, especially the upper lip, like we talked about, but the jaw is going to drop, especially for the vowel. It drops. Try saying the word drop and notice that long ah. And really separate the D from the R, drop, and release the jaw. Now, this is tricky. There's lots of jaw stretches you can do. You can Google that, too. One of my favorites is to put my fingers on the side of my neck and my thumb on the chin. And you can do it on either side. I generally use my right hand. You just drop the jaw with your thumb. So your fingers are on your neck. Your thumb is on your chin. You drop it. And when you drop it, your jaw is open, but just open as far as you can do without tension. You shouldn't hear it clicking. If you do, you may have TMJ, and it's okay, but see if you can do less movement. Don't open too wide. And then as you do that and you lift, I often take my other hand, the thumb and the pointer finger, and lift the upper jaw. So you've got a nice lift in there, and you can just stay there and breathe and allow the jaw to be lifted by your hands. So it's not the same thing if you just open and close. That actually creates a lot of tension. So you want to let your hands do the work and just really open. Breathe through your nose, out through your mouth. Make that whispered ah sound. See how wide you can make the jaw. So it's just kind of a great way to really open the jaw. There are a lot of jaw exercises. I hesitate to do many of them just by voice because you could misinterpret it and do them differently. 
but I think it is important to do some kinds of stretches. And those stretches can be really useful just to release the jaw and to keep it from being too tense. You can also take your lips and make a circle. So you can circle to the right and then circle to the left and just really open up the jaw. That's usually pretty easy to do. It's more of a lip exercise. If you then open your mouth and take your tongue and try to circle to the right and circle to the left, you'll probably find it's more challenging. Try to keep the tongue going at the same pace and try to open your mouth. You don't want to close your mouth, especially when your tongue goes to the bottom. You want to keep your mouth open, like the dentist always says, open your mouth wider. However, if you're getting clicking or you're getting pain or stiffness, you don't want that. You only want to do this exercise to a comfortable level to get more opening and elongate those muscles to their resting length. It's not that you're going to get them longer than they normally would be, but you don't want them to clench up. So that's why the, the tongue goes around and then you go the other direction. So clockwise and counterclockwise and just allow the jaw to open and close comfortably. And these are all articulation exercises that anybody can do. One of my favorite jaw exercises, but I would stretch it first, like we talked about earlier, from the top and the bottom. Just make sure you get a nice stretch in there. And you can also massage on the sides of your jaws can be a very nice thing to do just to get tension out as much as you can before you do the key main strengthening exercise. This is my favorite though. And the reason I like this one so much is it changes how your jaw works. It gets rid of excessive tension. And the way you do that is you ground through your feet and then you press up with your thumbs. And when you press with your thumbs, your jaw is completely open and you press up and you close your mouth and then you open and I just change the position of my fingers. So you want to make it so that your fingers are giving you resistance. So you open and then you close and you close against the pressure. So when you're closing, I often round my lips for the close and then open and, and the whole mouth opens and you press up, make it hard to open and then make it hard to close. And when you close, you take your fingers on the upper part of your chin. So you start with your thumbs under your chin to open and then you take your fingers in front of your chin to close because you're always pulling in the opposite direction with the resistance. And you'll find that your jaw has a little bit of effort doing that. So when you're done, you just release it completely. And these stretches are just really great to open up the jaw. The other favorite one that I often do first, like we, again, I didn't do this in the exact order. It depends on what you need. But one of my favorites is to take your thumb and your pointer finger, take the skin in between those two under your lip and just open your jaw and hold it. <sighs> release with the long ah, and just inhale and exhale. So these are all exercises that you can do in order to release your jaw. And I would suggest uh, trying a lot of those, see if you can have some fun with it, because that's all part of learning with articulation is to actually enjoy it a bit. And then once you've done all these exercises, I wouldn't do them until you're exhausted. Just do them for five or 10 minutes a day, and then maybe change and do them again the next day. And I think you'll find that after you do these kinds of exercises, you have more clarity in your speech. You could try adding words. So after you work on some of these movements, try saying words that are challenging for you to say very slowly and mindfully. And then notice if when you talk naturally, the words tumble off your tongue a little bit more clearly. Those are a few thoughts on articulation. And I look forward to our next podcast, which will be all about syncing verbal and nonverbal communication. Then we'll move into nonverbal communication do's and don'ts. 
and then we'll talk about what to do if you talk too fast. And after that, I think we'll move into different languages. So advice or suggestions or challenges for Chinese speakers or Japanese or French or Spanish or Indian languages and see where that takes us. Look forward to talking to you next time.